Welcome to another episode of Live from the Blue Seats. I'm your host, Rob, joined as always by Dave and Becky. And on today's show, we are recapping the first four games of the Eastern Conference Final between the New York Rangers and Tampa Bay Lightning. We are also, of course, getting set for a huge, a pivotal Game 5 uh, at Madison Square Garden later tonight as you listen to this on uh, what is probably a warm and muggy uh, Thursday morning if you're in the New York area. Um, but yeah, obviously gonna gonna take stock of the Rangers as they are four games into what looks like another long playoff series here in their quest for the franchise's fifth Stanley Cup. Uh, Dave and Becky, how are we feeling here with uh, about 24 hours gone by to digest uh, the most recent result, the Rangers' 4-1 loss in uh, Tampa Bay? <sighs> you know, feeling feeling okay. Um, I think as far as it goes, um, if we're looking at like that it's two to two in the playoff series. I feel okay about that. I think the only place where I'm feeling a little bit of nerves, nausea, what have you, is really just the potential injuries. But we shall see. Yeah, I'm oddly content right now. You know, if you told me it would be two two after four, best two out of three with two at MSG. I'd take it. The injuries scare me, but I think there's a lot of overreaction because the Rangers were up 2-0 and they laid an egg in game four, but I don't know. I'm not losing sleep over it. Good chance, by the way, that one of our favorite attributes of this podcast, the fact that it gets gets outdated about four to six hours after it drops, could come true again here With in regards to the injuries. Obviously, Ryan Strom took warm-ups before game four, <clears throat> excuse me, could not go. And then Philip Heedle got hurt late in the second period of game four, did not return to the game. And, and I think both have been called, uh, were called a game-time decision during the Rangers' media availability earlier today, uh, or on Wednesday, I should say. In terms of game four, Dave, you characterize it as laying an egg. Uh, I would say that that was Tampa's best game so far and that the Rangers looked like you know, the team with less playoff experience, finally. Even Game 3, yeah, Tampa got a lot of shots. We can talk about how that was a little bit misleading. The Rangers also held a 2 nothing lead going into the third period of that game. But to me, Game 4 was Tampa's best uh, best game of the series by far. And yeah, the Rangers obviously did not match that, that level of, of intensity or execution. But, I mean, I don't think it was their worst game of the playoffs either. I mean, I know the result obviously looks bad. They no. they, they didn't score a five-on-five five goal at all in these two games. But I don't know. What, yeah, do you guys agree with that, or am I, am I being I a little too you. optimistic? I think there? also just like pound for pound again that you have injuries. Um, I know that we had injuries in the Pittsburgh series, but some of those pit games, man, were just fucking gross. So I don't, I don't think it yeah. – I don't think they looked like absolutely repulsive in this. There, It wasn't like – Look, it wasn't fun. It wasn't a great game. Like, a lot of the time, they they weren't really doing a whole lot of anything. But it wasn't as bad as those Pittsburgh games. Those Pittsburgh games were brutal. Yeah, this wasn't a great game, but it wasn't something that was the worst thing we've ever seen. What I have seen 
at least on Twitter, is that everybody's saying the Rangers look gassed, the Rangers look tired, the Rangers look fatigued. First off, everybody's fatigued at this point. Maybe Tampa isn't because they had a week and a half off. But I don't think fatigue had anything to do with this. It's Tampa forced the Rangers to play Tampa's game. Slow it down, clog the middle, play defensive hockey, few scoring chances, and that's not what the Rangers want to do. The Rangers want to push the pace. They want to get into a track meet. They have better skill. They have better scoring depth, believe it or not. And they definitely have the better goalie. It's Tampa did a much better job of slowing them down. And as much as we like Gerard Gallant, as much as we like what the Rangers have done, an Achilles heel is the Rangers' ability to adjust to other teams' adjustments. It's been like that all season. And that's why the second periods have always been brutal for the Rangers. And we're seeing it again. The Rangers will eventually adjust. They adjust against Carolina. They adjust against Pittsburgh. We'll see it. It just takes a while. Gallant takes a day or two, or a game or two, sorry, to figure out what his opponents are doing. And then he goes from there. So a couple things come to mind when you talk about adjustments. Immediately... I think about the lineup and ice time, and I think one of the disappointments for a lot of fans during Game 4 was the lack of ice time for the kid line. Now, I, I tweeted this during the game. I am not uh, ever on the ice time police, and I, oh, I kind of always hate that discussion. I hate when people rush to you know, the NHL game report and pull up the, the, the TOI statistics after every period because there's thousands of reasons why a player may or may not have a lot of ice time in a given period or even in a given game. All that said, I didn't think the kid line played enough in game four. They started both periods, both the first and the second, obviously before the heel injury. But uh, after that, shifts were kind of few and far between. My theory on that, at least, was that Gallant was trying to get Mika Zibanejad's line away from Sorelli, that their kind of checking line. And so basically whenever there was an icing where he could get that line out there against anybody but Sorelli, he did that. And that probably took away a shift or two from the kid line. And that's the difference between a three and a half minute period, which I think they had, and a five and a half minute period. So, um, but, but yeah, I mean, what do you guys, I mean, Becky, did you have the same take as me and do you think what, what other adjustments do you think they could potentially make whether it's lineup I or mean, otherwise I'm, I, I love Ryan Reeves but I think that he needs to sit for a game or two um, I think at this point I don't think that you know what's his his benefit is a few things like he's great for like Chessy releases and that's that's super important he's great in the locker room I wonder can't and someone keep me honest, but can't he still do all of that stuff and not play? Like he doesn't. Yeah. So. Yes. And the Shesty release us, by the way, happens not before the game, but before warmups, because yeah. you know whenever you see those videos, yeah. no one's wearing a helmet; they're not going out for the game. So he right. he could still I mean, take warm up. And I really not play. like Absolutely. him, but he's he's not. We need offense right now, and he's not doing it. He's just not giving it. There are some, and, and in games one and two especially, he the fourth line was actually giving us something, but now it's all fucked up. You know, Goudreau's not on the fourth line anymore, and he's hurt. So, okay, this is we need to get him kind of back. Maybe try Dryden Hunt. Why not? Um, 
it all also depends too on like who's good to go tomorrow. I mean, if Heedle is hurt and Strom are hurt, it obviously is not a good situation. But then again, plenty of teams are playing with injuries, and so it's just like a matter of I don't know. You gotta bear down. <laughs> the injuries are the injuries are the injuries. I mean, any team that loses both of their middle six forwards is gonna struggle. Tampa will, Tampa would, Colorado will without Nazem Kadri. Any team would have that issue. So, yeah, injuries are going to play a role. And I do think it is rather ironic that the Rangers lost two very important players after everybody who wasn't a Rangers fan basically said the Rangers didn't deserve to be there because of injuries. And now they're going to say, oh, maybe they should have been built better because Honestly, can they we just, have these injuries. Can we have so, a- whole podcast where we say fuck the haters and fuck the naysayers like I don't care for you I don't care what your opinion is I don't care what the stats say I don't care what your gut says I don't care what your eyes say I don't care what your fucking grandma says it doesn't matter to me like the Rangers are in the Eastern Conference Finals in a series that will go at least six games if you told me that that was going to be the case in November I would have laughed at you And I have been positive fucking Pamela the entire season. I have been the person who's been like, they could do it all. Why the hell not get into the playoffs and you never know what's going to happen. And people have spent literally months just shitting on the Rangers. And do you think the Rangers give two shits about those people? They don't. So I like I just think it's a waste of fucking energy. Like I saw that certain writer podcaster stat boy like said that oh maybe the rangers do deserve to be here and i'm like the bandwagon is fucking full but only for you like not full for anyone else everyone else can hop right on because i don't want to hear it like you spend your whole time telling me this team sucks and then you're like oh well like actually maybe they don't suck okay like i'm glad that it took you 10 months to figure this out but like get the hell away from me i don't want to talk about people who are haters like i just if I am angry, Yo, I Becky, am you fucking are angry. angry. And I, am no, well, I think you do. You I am do. here for like, this. If if the Rangers play their last game of this season on Saturday, right? If they lose the next two games and they four games lose four games in a row and that's it and it's lights out for them, I'm going to be so proud of every single one of them and I'm going to be so excited for the future of this team. Look at how young they are. Look at how the kids played on the uh, not the biggest biggest but on one of the biggest, like, the middle of, like, fucking nationally broadcast playoffs, right? In Madison Square Garden, mind you, which, like, everyone wants to play there because it's the bright lights of Broadway, and there's a reason for it. These kids are great. Igor's young. Like, this isn't Henrik Lundqvist years where he was getting older and we had cat problems and we had A.V. chomping his fucking gum up and down, like, getting Eric Stahl. I, I can't. This isn't those years. We don't have to deal with that. We have time. We have a young core. And I know we're going to have cat problems. I know. But for now, I am just happy. Like, I'm so proud of them, even if we don't make it to the cup finals. And I'm so proud of them if we win it all. And I said in January, they're going to win it all. Why not? And maybe I'm right. I don't know. We'll see. They're look. They're one of three teams remaining, and Edmonton, who 
let's call a spade a spade here is Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, and a bunch of garbage. Um, hey, right Mike Smith is. is not he is garbage. Chaotic, but he's chaotic. <laughs> he's chaotic good, I think, because he's entertaining. He yes, is entertaining. But the point is, is that the Rangers of their own volition here are one of three teams remaining. And that, that means a lot. I think to your point, Becky, one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot, and I, I tweeted about it earlier, is just the next step in this team's evolution. And look, they could play this long series, maybe even play a fourth long series, win it all. But for the most part, one of the things that has plagued them throughout the years has been their inability to, to close teams out early in series, right? To get a, get a two a three one lead, get a three zero lead, whatever. They had a prime opportunity here. Not not really, I would argue, in game four because Tampa played so well. But really, game three, I think, is the one that haunts me personally because that you know very easily a game that they could have you know if they just could have gotten it to overtime, maybe they pop a goal in five minutes in and they're up three zero in the series, and you know you're definitely making Stanley Cup final plans at that point, but. You know, I think as you talk about what development looks like for this team, you're absolutely right. The youth is getting incredible experience. Think about just the, the top four on defense, right? Fox, Lindgren, Miller, and Truba. They're going to be together for at least the next two, three seasons. And, you know, sure, right now it looks like the Rangers, yeah, they give up a lot of shots from the slot. They're still heavily dependent on Igor. But that is going to be a scary good, well-rounded very stout defense core for years to come. And I think, you know, if they can just be a little bit better in front of Igor in these coming years, they're going to be able to do what Tampa does, which is get a lead and lock it down, right? Not blow a two-goal lead, not let a team like, uh, you know, Pittsburgh back into a game, not let the Carolina-type team back into the game, you know, be able to get those leads and be able to close out a series in five as opposed to have it go six or seven. Because the thing I was, you know, wondering about, and I did the quick little bit of research, I mean— They've played something like 37 series since in the last 30 seasons. I just decided to start with the Mark Messier years. Um, 21 of those series have gone either six or seven games. That I don't know how that compares to the rest of the league, but it certainly feels like a lot. I mean, I'm looking at this Rangers team, and there's a lot that, like Becky said, there's a lot to be optimistic about. I still think yeah, they got a shot. Of course they do. And... Uh, absolutely. They absolutely do. And it's honestly very simple. Tampa has four guys in the neutral zone now. But they're giving you your own defensive zone to break out. Do what you did against Carolina. Bring those guys in on the breakout. Shorter passes. Get past the one guy on the forecheck who is apparently wreaking all kinds of fucking havoc. And... Build speed through there. If you stop with the stretch pass, build speed through there, and you're fine again. And that's it. And now we're talking about being optimistic about a team yep. going to the Stanley Cup final. Although, I mean, I still yeah, think I, they I, win in too, six. Dave. I picked Rangers in six, and I think they're going to take the next two. I mean, I just, I just don't understand the like abject failure that people seem to think this team is because they lost the last two games like game three they they should have won that that loss hurt more than game four to me and uh, no well, I mean it did because they had the lead yeah they were down they gave it up like that sucks yeah 
But then they lost Strom, and then they lost Goodrow, and Lindgren took another block shot. I think that was the same game. Lindgren is fucking Dan Girardi, so it's, you know, before he started sucking. Yeah. Phrasing. 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 Lindgren is not fucking Dan Girardi. Excuse me. They are not fornicating, to our knowledge. Um, And if they are, I hope it's consensual. Although... if That's they are okay. and it's consensual and they're really into it, great for them. And you just pissed off like ninety five percent of the fan base. That listen, all I said was Lingren is Dan Girardi with a poor choice of exclamatory <laughs> word over there. But anyway, it's game three was stressful and upsetting because they lost, and they it was a come from behind win for the Lightning. And had they gone up three zero, it's like really like stepping on their throats and. But, like, it's the New York Rangers, and, like, Rob just said, like, they don't know how to do anything in, like, less than six games. So <laughs> let's let's just let's just take it one yeah. game. Do you think the guys in the room are, like, as dejected as we are? And by we, I mean, like, the royal we, not, like, the three of us on this podcast. They don't, like, they don't fucking read Twitter. They don't care. They don't care that, like, in, you know, they're, they're – expected goals were like 43% yesterday. Like they care about what the coaches are telling them. Like, this is what you need to do better. They know what they need to do better. These are professional athletes. And I bet you in that room, the vibes are still off the charts. So let's just continue with our friendship and our vibes and our good feelings and enjoy what has been a successful season, what has been a successful postseason. They're one of three teams left. Let's keep it going. It's a really good point, too, about the confidence of the team because I would make an argument that – I think you could make the argument, sorry, that – I'll make, and I will make the argument that this is the most mentally strong Ranger team, one of the two or three ever – uh, you know, at least in, in, in the time that, you know, I can remember as a fan or, you know, we can sort of collectively remember, uh, you know, it just doesn't seem like anything phases them. Nothing really gets in their heads. You know, they've beaten Tampa Bay a bunch of times this year. They beat them three times in the regular season. I know everyone says that doesn't count, but it does count. Series, it does fucking it, count. I hate that shit. It right. does fucking count. Yeah, it counts for confidence, right? It counts for your mental approach going into a series. If if you've played three or four or five games against a team and haven't been able to beat them, that's going to linger. It just is. And for Tampa, I think, you know, and look, we can talk about, I know John Cooper is a, you know, no one really likes him and he's, he's, he's definitely a smarmy, you know, jerk at times. He's very he's a, smart, he's but a he, very he's good also coach. very respectful of the Rangers. Like every quote I've read coming into the series, he... One of the first quotes I saw was he said, the Rangers are here because they earned it. Like, they did not fake their way into the Eastern Conference Final. And sure, is that a motivational tactic for his team? Does he want to make sure his team doesn't take them lightly? Sure. But I also think Cooper, who is close with Gerard Gallant, as we've heard, has a lot of respect for him. I think, again, you know, a lot of people tend to... uh, uh, overcomplicate hockey, and I think Cooper looks at the Rangers and sees a 52 goal scorer and a 96 point player in Panarin, one of the best playmakers in the league, one of the best two way centers in Zabanajad, a former Norris Trophy d- winning defenseman, and an elite goalie, and thinks, "Holy shit, that's a tough yeah. team to beat. That's a really tough team to beat." And I think that the Rangers have not only the top skill, like we've talked about all year, but also the character guys 
in the room that keep things even keel. And I think bringing in guys like Cop and Mott and Vetrano help that. And I, I totally agree with you, Becky, that they're going to be very quietly confident going into the game tomorrow. Now, look, the, the only thing that spooks me as sort of a superstitious or um, a person who believes very heavily in do is the fact that they have not lost a game at the Garden now. And I think they've won seven in a row. So, you know, long streaks like that in sports, you know, are bound to end at some point. But, you know, it's also been a fortress. It's the Rangers play much better there. It's They are able to play their game a lot more easily at Madison Square Garden with the crowd behind them. They take some more chances. Igor gets rolling with a couple of saves and all of a sudden they get a power play and they pop a goal in and the other team's head is spinning. So I think it's a very good chance we see that play out at, uh, at MSG uh, on Thursday night. God help us. It'll be fun, though. That's what playoff hockey's all about. And speaking of fun, this is the most fun I've ever had watching a Rangers team. Ever. Beginning to end, October through the playoffs. And I don't think I'm the only one that has said this team, it it has a different feel to it, which is why we keep saying, why not us? Which is why we're like, oh... They're not oh they're not out of it. It's two two. Oh, they're not out of it. It's three one. So when they need to, they get their shit together and they figure it mm-hmm. out. Eventually that's gonna bite them in the ass because they're waiting too long. And I don't know what it is about the Rangers and not putting their foot on a throat when they need to. There's a lot there. Coaching players, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Regardless, I have had so much fun watching this team that you can't help but be optimistic that they can win this series, that they can beat Colorado, and that they can do this for the next five years, yeah. ten years. You know, yep. Fox and Shesty ain't going anywhere. And even if Shesty goes somewhere, guess okay, what? You got so Dylan Garand coming Shesty's up. Shesty's not going anywhere, all right? Can we not? For Christ's sake, You man. never know, all right? You never know what's going to happen. This Maybe he wants to go to Mars. Spot, right? Not the Shesty is leaving us pod. Listen, Shesty going to Mars is definitely better than oh, Brizgalov going to space. Bring, bra- bring back Briz. He's around. Briz, not Biz. Well, they sent him... I- I think they, yeah, Briz Not Biz is actually a great hashtag because, man, we don't have to talk about the TNT broadcast. Let's save that stuff for the offseason. But, you know, I have had an, I, I had enough of that broadcast, honestly. And I know, I've had enough of ESPN. No, TNT, I, I can uh, deal uh, with. No, I'm ESPN's the other way killing me. Yeah. yeah. I'm kind of the opposite, yeah. Like, when I watch TNT, I'm just like, is this, like, I mean, hockey or is this a bunch of fucking bros hanging out, like... So well, when you, I watch ESPN, yeah. I get all the updates on Twitter before I even see them on uh, before I see them live because ESPN is 15 seconds delayed on live Fair. TV. I'm not talking about a stream. How the fuck is it 2022 yeah. and live I TV mean, and is like 15 the, seconds the behind? Angles, I, I, we had this conversation last week, but like I will have a stroke. I'm going to have a stroke during the Stanley Cup finals. I yeah, like I that confidence. With, with I love that confidence. Yeah, that is great confidence. With ESPN, though, it's kind of like the criticisms are consistent but mild, whereas, like, TNT is, like, they blow hot and cold. Like, they have Kenny Albert. They have great play-by-play guys. They also have, like, I don't know what happened to Eddie Olchick, but he's miserable to listen to now. 
Bissonette is awful, but I also kind of like Gretzky. I mean, I think Gretzky's gotten really good at the desk commentary. I like Liam McHugh, but also like Tockett and Anson Carter are kind of useless. So I don't know. It's it's a very mixed bag, whereas I feel like with, with ESPN, it's a little bit more like consistently mild and leaves you wanting a little bit more, but like is ultimately like very watchable. I also think Sean McDonough and Ray Ferraro have uh, gotten better as the playoffs have gone on and as the season's gone on. Uh, and I, I really am enjoying kind of, you know, both of their commentary now. I mean, the, the call of that whole kid line shift, the long minute long shift where they end up scoring the goal was like really, really well done by Sean McDonough across the board. So Yeah, but does um, the kid line need a nap I, or a snack or whatever the That's fuck like, that was? They're, try, they're trying to be cute with it. Like yeah, it is what it is. And that doesn't bother me. So let's let's close it, uh, off the discussion about Game 5 and the remainder of the series just with, with this. You know, what do the Rangers need to do? You know, what do you guys think is like the key thing that they have to do in order to win game five? Uh, and look, Tampa's now feeling good about themselves. I think they know what to expect from the Rangers at the Garden. Um, you know, Dave, what do you think they need to do to win game five? Mm-hmm. Push the pace. I know that that's a very broad statement, but push the pace. Um, I was going to say come out Becky, what do you think? and I want them to stop doing these. So I giveth and taketh away, right? Panarin is fantastic. I love Panarin. But he does those pass. He makes those passes, right? And like over the course of the season, he's done it where he's just kind of like his that second line will just like rush in, take a shot and then like get the hell out of the zone and you want sustained pressure, right? So now he's, I've noticed in the last game, mm-hmm. in game four, he was just like throwing passes without looking. And I know that he does that and I know that he does that well. But I think Tampa knows that he's doing, not I think, Tampa knows that he's doing it and it's not effective. And so I want to not see those. Like I just don't want to see that. If he does one of those passes tonight and it goes in the back of the net, it hits someone's deck and goes back in the net, then I will eat my words and write him a letter saying that I was wrong, but I can't watch them right now. I want, uh, you know what? I'm holding you to that. I'm holding you to that. I will I want a handwritten letter. I don't know. I'll send it to like MSG, I guess. Like. Becky, you'll be happy to know that um, your, your father-in-law, my dad, literally said the exact same thing as you. Like to a T during the game last night, he was basically like, how many blind backhand passes it's can you so throw in annoying. one game like to the other team, basically? Is there a handwritten <laughs> note as part of that exact verbiage as well? Because two handwritten Frank notes. Write, Frank would write uh, a note uh, I'm, with me. I'm Frank here for is this. a great guy. He would write a note with me. <laughs> it's a text. I can show you all the text. It, it exists. But no, I, but it's a good point, right? I, you know, I thought those decisions notwithstanding that Panarin was at least in the middle of most of what the Rangers did well last night I thought he had a pretty good game um but I I think it's a it's a good point about you know you have to be patient with Tampa Bay right so Dave to your point yes it's kind of sounds counterintuitive right but pick up the pace right play fast but what that also means it doesn't mean get in the zone and take the first available shot right it means establish yourself in the zone and then and then cycle the puck and look to make plays. I mean, pretty much exactly how the kid line has played all playoffs. The other lines have been a little bit more inconsistent with that. But, you know, the Rangers actually are 
a pretty decent cycle team, you know, four check and cycle team. They, they do not uh, shoot a lot from the point. That's by design. We know that. So they're not a big um, like shoot and retrieve team, but they they possess the puck in the corner. They look for the forward, you know, kind of high in the slot. Um, you know, they created a, they've created quite a few chances in the playoffs off of the cycle and off of four check. So that's what you have to try and do. I mean, I think, you know, get through the neutral zone as quickly as possible, play in the offensive zone. Um, and, and, and honestly, my, my key, I think, is, you know, get on the power play and score on the power play early. I think if they do that, you get Tampa Bay thinking right away that, like, oh, boy, here comes another, like, Ranger heater where they're going to be, like, zinging those cross-ice, cross-ice passes all, all over the place. So um, getting a power play is huge, but you have to work to draw a, power, draw a penalty because, you know, they didn't get one in game four until the last three minutes or whatever it was. So, um, all right, well, we're looking for speed. We're looking for Panarin to manage the puck better. We're looking for a power play goal early in game five at MSG. And, of course, uh, an amazing atmosphere. And John Brancy yes, singing no that anthem and setting the tone, right? offensive zone penalties, Christopher Kreider, I see you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, who and who is the other one that's been pretty bad with Ryan those this Strom. playoffs? Uh, <laughs> Ryan yeah, Strom. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, Hopefully he's playing. Got multiplied. <laughs> so do I, right. but he took way too many offensive zone penalties. All right, question time. Fans sent him in. Obviously, I'm interested to see what the tenor of the questions is, given the you know the overall state of things on Ranger Twitter, which was, I think, you know, to Becky's point, mostly it's, panicked it's, and negative. It's but there were some, you know, no, it's like people it's, who were who were positive. Like, people are exhausting. I've had this conversation, though, on this pod no less than three times this whole season. Like, people just want to be negative. Nelly is like, that's your prerogative. But holy shit. Like, sometimes the best thing you could do is log off, and I need to remind myself of that a lot. However, I don't want to log off before I read people's questions. So. (laughs) Nice segue. Okay, so Chris at NYRCAS asks, Cop or Strom this offseason? And then he they also said, whoever accepts less, question mark? Go, boys. Dave, you, could, you start, Dave. Oh, boy. So I have an idea of what you guys are going to say. And I'm going to say something that is not me playing devil's advocate. It's honestly how I think they should go. And I'm going to go with neither. Mm-hmm. Strom is getting $7 million a year from some idiotic fucking team. Vancouver, <laughs> I'm looking at you. Um, that's going to happen. It's just going to happen. Cop, based off of what he's done since he got to New York, and he's more, and what he's done in the playoffs, which he's been overall good, mm-hmm. I think. His price point is high. Listen, if they get cop at $5 million, I'm taking it. I'm throwing that devil, that caveat there. But I think cop is going to requ- is going to require five and a half to six and a half over five to six years. Um, I haven't seen the evolving wild or the, sorry, the evolving hockey projections yet. I pass on that. I leverage all of the, Amazing trade assets that will never make it to the Rangers in their window. And I go out and I get a young center, cost-controlled. You float Nils Lundqvist. You float Vitaly Kravtsov. 
and you go and you do it that way. You're better off trading for somebody cost control than trying to sign cop for six years when he's 27 years old. All right, Rob. <laughs> but a gun to my head, okay. one or the other, I pick cop. Yeah. So yeah, and I, I'm going the same way. I, but I think one of the things that most contenders, not all, because I don't think Colorado really has this guy. Maybe I'm wrong. I haven't watched them that closely. Most contenders have a proper shutdown center somewhere in their middle six, right? Whether you can argue whether it's the second or third line, Philip Dano comes to mind. Jordan Stahl on Carolina comes to mind. Anthony Sorelli, obviously this um, round comes to mind. Anybody who's playing against Mika Zibanejad, basically, right? And who has the task of, explicit task of shutting down the other team's top line. The Rangers don't have that guy. Cobb That's is not true. that guy. Strom is not that guy. So I think my slight wrinkle to your plan, Dave. By the way, I, I want to preface this all by saying, and I appreciate the question. So thank you, uh, NYR Chris, for sending it in, and thanks for listening. I hate thinking about next season when you're this deep in a playoff run because it feels like all I want to do whenever I'm thinking or talking about the Rangers is I want to appreciate what's going on now and not think about the expendability of the current players because it just kind of takes some of the fun out of it. Like, I love Andrew Kopp, and, like, I, I don't want to say I love Ryan Strom, but, like, I appreciate Ryan Strom. I think he brings a lot of value to the team that – a lot of people seem to forget when they're getting their jokes off on Twitter. Yes, he's missed a couple of empty nets, we all know. But look, Strom's a big part of the team. They need them both. They need Philip Hedl too. They need all these guys if they're going to try and actually win the goddamn Stanley Cup this year, right? So all that being said, my slight wrinkle of the plan to, the, to, 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 to that uh, approach or your approach, Dave, would be to potentially go and sign a shutdown, proper shutdown 3C. Like do your research find a guy who profiles like a I know and I know you know it sounds it's 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 a lot easier said than done but you you find a guy that profiles as like a Dano light basically right somebody who has really good shot suppression numbers somebody who I I'll say it maybe can win a goddamn face off or two um and someone who can actually play that role because I think you've seen enough now from Filipino that he can be your number 2 center next year he's been that good in the playoffs the guy's dynamic I think you know, as long as he's coached properly and if he gets into a little bit of a rut during a long regular season, you know, as long as you could snap him out of that, he can give you what Ryan Strom gave you. There's no question that the skill and ability is there. I think the hockey sense is there as well. So I think you roll with Heedle as your 2C next year and you go to free agency to find a shutdown center. That's that's kind of my wrinkle on the neither plan. Other than that, I love Cop, though. I'm a big Cop guy. He reminds me so much of Steve Larmer. I know that's a that's a deep reference for the old heads out there, but... Um, I absolutely love that guy, and, and I hope he scores like the series-winning goal. And I feel like he's got a big one or two still in him for this run. So um, all my love to Andrew Kopp, even if he's no longer a Ranger after the 2022 season. Now. All right. Well, I know that we don't want to talk about future state, but someone else also asked a question about it. So I'm just going to go with that one right now, and then we can kind of mosey on into like current state Rangers. Uh, Spazo211, Kevin, asks, what are the Rangers going to do after signing Miller to his next contract next summer? And then the following summer, Lindring comes off his contract. Can they afford to keep both of the kids on the left side for years to come? Both are showing their value this postseason. This is a lot of, like, mental math that I can't do because I'm just not that guy. Like, I don't even want to play GM. I don't even want to play fantasy hockey. So, um, but I will say that, like, Lingren is a beast and he won them games just by being there. So 
that's my two cents on this. I'll give this to mm-hmm. the two of you. So I'll go first on this one. So the thing that always comes to mind with questions like this is you basically have to decide who are the guys that you're going to make it work with no matter what. And then you basically do the Tampa approach or the the Vegas approach, although it's very funny because, you know, they tried to circumvent the cap and it blew up in their face because they missed the playoffs, which is very funny (laughs) and no one should let them forget about it anytime soon. But there's the whole that whole adage of like sign the guys you really believe are are indispensable and figure the rest out later. I think both Keandre Miller and Ryan Lingard are indispensable. So yes, that means decision time on some other players. But you can figure out the rest later. I don't think I think people get way too wound up in the um, cap stuff and people spend way too much time and energy on cap friendly and dissecting a, a situation that will be pretty easily solved with a smart buyout here, you know, a trade there. Um, Yes, you know, you may need to dip into your asset pool to attach an asset to get rid of uh, a contract. That's just the cost of doing business when you're trying to win a Stanley Cup. I mean, Tampa Bay's got no draft picks left. They're basically basically not invited to the NHL draft because they've used all of their first and second round picks. They're just telling them not to show up at this point. Are any of their fans worried about this? I mean, you got to be fucking crazy to worry about this. And this is the position I feel like the Rangers are going to be in very soon. I appreciate the work that, you know, a lot of the smart guys on Twitter do, and they're looking at the cap sheet for 24 and 25 and 26. Like, I keep saying this. You want to hear confidence. If they've got two or three Stanley Cup rings in the next three or four seasons, like, I I don't care. I don't care about the cap situation. I don't care about draft picks. So, yes, Lingren and Miller are indispensable. They both need to be kept. They'll figure it out. Sorry, very simplistic answer. Yeah, I am going to go a little bit in the wheeze here. So I am on cap friendly. So Keandre Miller has a year in his entry-level deal left. He's an RFA. He does not have offensive numbers that drive a contract. Right. His numbers through his first two years are almost in line with Ryan Lindgren's numbers his first two years. And I'm talking pure offensive numbers. And that this is not offensive potential. This is what they've done so far. So let's say Miller gets... Lindgren got what? Three three by three? Mm -hmm. Yeah, he got three by three. Let's say Miller gets three by... 3.2 will account for inflation here. So that's three seasons. 2023, 2024, 2025. Lindgren is up one year into that deal. So, at that point, you have Lindgren coming into another RFA deal turning 25 years old without offensive numbers. I don't know the precedent offhand, but let's go with Dan Girardi, $5.5 million over, I don't know, five years. Roughly. So, mm-hmm. now we're looking at $8.5 million for those guys for a total of two seasons before... We get to the end of the 25-26 season when Jacob Truba at $8 million and Artemi Panarin at $11.6 million both come off the books and neither one of them is going to get re-signed. So we're worrying about cap hits for these guys when you have almost $20 million coming off the cap 
right after those two are signed, assuming that they're able to make, uh, assuming there's not another bad contract somewhere in there, this will work. I don't foresee an issue here. Heedle yeah. doesn't do enough to command a big contract. Uh, Lafreniere will eventually, if the Rangers are smart, they'll lock him up long term and not worry about it. Kako certainly doesn't have the numbers. This is doable. Yeah, well, and I was, I was going to say the the funny thing about you know you hear wow Artemi Panarin's coming off the books and Truba obviously not as dynamic a, a player but you know maybe uh, equally as important in some ways but the Rangers have built because of the way they went about the rebuild and now look whether or not they trade some of these guys is a separate issue but they have a team here that that is that is built to withstand the departures of older players you know they have. Guys like Lafreniere and Kako, who at that point, if they are what they are supposed to be, it will be ready to take over for Artemi Panarin. I mean, that's the whole issue right now for Lafreniere is that there's no left-wing ice time in the top six to begin with. So Panarin's contract ending creates that space. And, you know, as I said, you know, hopefully at the end of his contract, there's some championships there and everybody's happy and we move on with the Rangers continuing to be a force even after guys like Panera and Truba, et cetera, depart. So yeah, that, that's why you build through the draft and that's why you build the way the Rangers have built because you can still sign free agents, have the kids contribute on their entry-level contracts and then have them ready to take over on bigger numbers when they are fully developed, you know, NHL star players. So um, that's certainly the plan, whether or not it shakes out that way, but no, good, good call there, Dave, digging into the weeds because that's, you know, certainly not my, not my bag. All right. Next question. Uh, 30 on Broadway, talking blue shirts, friends, ask, if Heedle yes. is unable to go tomorrow night, how do, you, how do you guys think the lineup shakes out? And are there any other lineup adjustments you do if you were GG? I'm going to give this to Dave almost immediately because oh, I feel like he has thoughts and prayers. Becky has thought you have thoughts too. I want to hear your thoughts on this. Uh, if so, the question was if Heedle can't go, not if, if Heedle and Strom can't Heedle, go. So, okay. So, in this case, I am assuming Strom is going. So the top six are back, and then you have honestly Goodrow goes to three C, and I'm oddly okay with that because. While Heedle definitely has much more offensive skill, the, abil- the ability that Goudreau has is to kind of draw attention away, go into the dirty areas, get the puck loose, and let Kako and Laugh kind of do their thing. It's not ideal, but I'd be okay with it, and it gives them a little bit more defensive ability, although I love Kako's defensive play. I'm oddly okay with that as kind of a great two-way third line. The issue for me becomes the fourth line. Yep. You got to leave Mott in there. And obviously Rooney would come in as the 4C. I think you have to sit Ryan Reeves. I love the guy. I really do. I think he's been a fantastic addition, if only for his locker room presence. $1.75 million on the cap is worth what he's doing right now. And yeah, a lot of people are going to disagree with me. I don't give a fuck. So you got to you gotta scratch him. I think you put in... Oh, God, who the fuck is left? Uh, Craig McKegg. Hunt kidding. Brzezinski. Kidding, kidding, kidding. Not Craig McKegg. Um, 
You know what? I I, I wouldn't mind seeing Julian Gauthier on the fourth no, line I, with yeah. Rooney and Mott. At least somebody that can drive yeah. offensive play and somebody gets to the front of the net and bangs home something that Gauthier <laughs> didn't score on. I mean, Mott could do that. Exactly. Oh, Mott, somebody you gotta I wholeheartedly agree. I love I love so Tyler Mott. Like, for a plethora of reasons and like 78% of them are on ice. So we need him. And he'll be cheap. So like, let's just do it. I, so I, I agree mo- with most of that, Dave. I think there's part of me that um, because Heedle's out, right? The kid line is, for all intents and purposes, no more. And Heedle really was the... Well, I, I don't know if that's fair. He was the finisher on the line. Lafreniere was really the engine. I mean, Kako, like you said, was more of the responsible two-way guy and, and obviously just a beast in terms of you know puck possession in the corner, even if it wasn't leading to, to to points. But you know, with if Heedle's out, the kid line's broken up. I don't mind uh, the, the idea of shifting Cop down to play center putting um and you put maybe capo caco with strom and panera i mean that line was very effective uh at, at points during the regular season um i i know that there was some rumblings that panarin and strom didn't particularly like playing with caco because he does dominate the puck as we've seen you know he likes to get it in the corner and spin off guys and hang on to it and that's not really the type of player they like playing with you know cops more of a pucks on and off his stick really quick kind of player um and 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 it does fit better i think that that's fair but you know if you're talking about very fair yeah it it is it is but if you're talking about like listen we need to own the puck we need to not as becky alluded to earlier like throw blind backhand passes to the slot that work against buffalo in november but won't work against the best defensive team in hockey in the eastern conference final like kako helps there he's a he's a responsible and uh and I think, you know, at times dominant play driver on a line. And that will help Panarin and Strom. It'll give them more time in the offensive zone. So, you know, you, you kind of keep that first line intact. Also, on an addendum to this, I didn't like breaking up Kreider and Zibanejad in game four. I know Kreider had an awful game. I think that was his worst game of the playoffs. Yeah, a lot of people were on Panarin. Kreider, Kreider was miserable. He was disgustingly bad in game four. So... I don't think he'll play that bad again. And, and even still with the way he played, um, I don't like breaking them up. And I think that that's, you know, uh, it's it's maybe just a vibes thing more than anything else. But keep the top line together. So Kreider, Zibanejad, Vitrano. Go with Panarin, Strom, Kako. Then you would have Kopp, uh, Goodrow, and Lafreniere, I guess, would be your third line, which again... That's kind of a good grinding line that can, you know, score. That that may function as a shutdown line for the Rangers. Maybe you put them against Stamkos. Um, and then, uh, yeah, your fourth line, I agree with scratching Reeves, although at this point I don't think it'll happen. I think that would go very much against the Gerard Gallant way of doing things. Now, can I piggyback off this for another sidebar question before we get back to the rest? Because you're saying all this stuff about Kako, and it just made me think, Kreider, Zibanejad, Kako. How does that look? Yeah, that too. And just shift Vetrano down then to the... Maybe I have would, him play with Panarin and Strong. So this is where it loses me when I do that because 
I like the idea of Laugh and Vetrano on a line together. Vetrano shoots from fucking everywhere, and Laugh passes from fucking everywhere. Yep. But I, now we're left too. with who plays right wing on the second line and who plays center for that third line. But yeah, th- those are just a couple of things that just went through my head right now. Like a light bulb went off, and then the light bulb quickly broke, saying, "Where's the rest of the lineup?" Well, cop cop would stay with Panarin and Strom, so then then that's untouched and that's fine, and they'd be happy with that. Yeah. And then you'd have you'd have Vitrano, Lafreniere, and Goodrow, I guess, which is a weird line. That's yeah, that one I'm not. I, I don't know, like. Goodrow, I don't know what to make of him. I like him. I, obviously, he does something for the team because they got a boost when he came back in Game 6 against Carolina. There was a huge boost, and it was done with intent by Gallant to keep it from the team that he was playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. So there's something there. Uh, and he I, mean, I think he's a fourth liner on a at the end of the day. Like, That's what it he is. is. And they're all playing. Look, they're all injured. I want to That's say, like, he, he literally, like, broke his fucking ankle, and he's somehow... And then, like... It got bashed to shit again, and he's still playing. Like, it's anyway. Next, yeah, what, any more questions? So, let's see, Dave. Do I have to ask your question? No, you don't have to ask my question. It was a joke. Wow, you sound so defeated. No, I don't have to. Because okay, so we've got. Just want to make sure we don't have any. Okay, so one uh, Caller commentary asked, which crystals will you all be charging for tomorrow? And I will tell you, advanced takes, that I will absolutely be wearing the same shirt and the same jersey that I wore to MSG for Game 4 against the Penguins tomorrow. So, which yeah, crystals? You know, super, yeah, He's just talking about yes. summoning good vibes. Oh, okay. That's so, a I don't second. know what the rest of you guys are going to be doing, oh. but. I've got a uh, Chris Kreider t-shirt that I bought on opening night in 2013. So we're going on a, about a decade with that player jersey, which I will absolutely be wearing in Madison Square Garden. So that's my, that's my save that one for the big ones. And this is a big one. So it's coming out at the garden on, uh, on Thursday night. I don't have any like specific good luck routine that I do. I That's okay. I tried dressing my daughter in a Rangers onesie for game four. That didn't happen. That didn't work. So that ain't happening. That that onesie is getting stored. Um I don't know, like I go back to what I drink during a game and White Claws usually are the go to when the Rangers are winning. So maybe I'll just do that. I have to check my work calendar for Friday, make sure I don't have anything important. So I'm actually doing that right now, like live. I <laughs> That can't be right. I have I mean, no meetings summer. on Friday. Let's I, go. I have a 9.30 reminder to change my password. I have to submit my timesheet at noon. That can't, that can't fucking be right. Well, as of now, you're drinking unlimited White Claw on Thursday night, Dave. Yeah. That's what it sounds like to me. Yeah. We might have to do a Twitter Spaces after the game. No. Yeah. Just no. to well, see what shape we're I'm going in. to the game. So, unless it's an Uber Twitter Spaces. Oh, maybe I'll try to maybe I'll try to get last second tickets. I'm sure I could get one of my degenerate friends to come with me. That you should try to do. That I haven't been to a playoff game since 
Oh, God. 2014, game one against That's the Flyers. When I was game, dating right? the girl that dumped me for not being Jewish enough. <laughs> That's a true story, okay. by the way. I can corroborate that with multiple different people. Um, obviously, that worked out for the best because I wound up being friends with and marrying you know, my wife, obviously. It's just a really funny story now, and it's one of my favorite stories. But that's a true thing that happened, and that was the last time we went to a playoff game. And they won. Maybe I'll call her up and say, hey, the last time we went to a game, they won. You want to go? (laughs) Joking, joking, joking. Becky, do not call my wife. Next and final question. Pat from this podcast says, can you guys do some guy remembering? Just some guys. Jeff Halpern, Daniel Paye. That's just sort of some stuff. guys. I think we started doing that when we talked about oh, Benoit God, Danny Paye. before. So remember away. Oh no, I got I, I got a guy. I got a guy. Oh. Paul Mara. Oh, what a great guy. Paul great Mara guy was a fantastic a fan, I don't know what the numbers look like, and this is the pre- you know, graphics. This is the behind the net era when you had to actually read the Excel spreadsheet. I don't know what his metrics look like, but Paul Mara was fantastic and his playoff beards were epic. Absolutely epic. Like, he grew out an entire face full of beard in three hours. I don't know how that happened. I, he was also good, as far as I remember. I thought he was, he was really very solid. good. Uh, but then again, we all thought Tom Pody was horrible, and Tom Pody actually turned out to be halfway a halfway decent Ranger, but we just didn't like trading Mike York for him. Right, well, and there was something about, you know, there was definitely a big stigma in those days about, you know, offense only, or, you know, guys who looked like soft when they were defensemen, and, you know, when they were offensively inclined. It was like either you're Brian Leach or you're useless if you're an offensive defenseman for the Rangers. So thankfully we've moved on from that with Adam Fox. Um, but yeah, no, that's a great guy to remember. I was going to pick one. Uh, I was going to pick a, another defenseman, actually a, a depth player from 2014, since that's the year that came up. He was also on the 2015 team, but oh my God. how about Rafael Diaz? <laughs> oh God, Diaz. Oh my God. Diaz. Four after Delzato. <laughs> he Delzaster. The very cursed number four for the Rangers, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Remember Adam when Delzato got shut down by the porn star? Yes. And it wasn't like he... It wasn't like she was just like being whatever guys like to say. He was being a total fucking creep. Like, I think she posted all the DMs Listen, and it was hilarious. He shot... He shot oh, yeah, but she shot put him on blast, too. Mm-hmm. Too much. He shot... No, he, he went beyond shot, shooting his shot. He tried to shoot shots he didn't have to shoot. <laughs> he was shooting blanks. Oh, that was that's that's a good Thankfully. way to end it, I think. Wait, who's your guy? Becky, you got to Yeah, guy. Becky, you got to give us a guy. How about that guy? Good guy. Oh, Blair. I thought no, you were going to say I James Shepard. Shepard. He's not like a remember one. He's like a, I still am mad at AV for that. Yes. Were we at it American gets mentioned once every three episodes on this podcast. Were we at American Whiskey for games? No, we were. We were at American yeah, Whiskey no, for game I, six. When they yeah, won like 107 to three. Um, were we with Justin? Yeah. Yeah, I think Justin, Justin. was there. Oh, yeah, Justin. Yeah, he was down. We'll have him I back think we on were the down pod. for like their anniversary dinner and he's like, 
Yeah, we just had a great dinner. Now I have to go yeah. hang out with a bunch of fucking degenerates and American whiskey watching a hockey game. <laughs> we have to have Happy Justin to go talk about Georgiev yeah, and where he's going to go. Yeah. I was at MSG Can for I just... 7, and that's the only Game 7 I've ever been to, so... Oh, uh, not Jewish enough broke up with me after the Rangers lost Game 7, like the day after. Yeah. Oh. So that was a fun couple of days. Just just a, a dive into seven years ago, Dave Shapiro history. seven years ago. <laughs> uh, I was going to say something. Oh, ESPN. I'm still mad at ESPN. Because they cut away. Like, the only thing anybody wanted to see was the Georgiev-D'Angelo exchange in the handshake line. And oh they cut God. away as they got to each other. Are you kidding me? Yeah, ridiculous. I could not believe that happened. That was one of the most insane things I've ever seen happen on, or not happen, I guess, on live television. Like, that was just, you had to know. They, You know they talked about it. They brought it up, of course, during the course of the series, I'm sure. I mean, I wasn't listening intently the whole time, but... Um, yeah, to, to miss that was was a pretty, pretty bad error on uh, ESPN's part, for sure. That was like the ending of The Sopranos, when the screen just cuts to black. <laughs> yeah, all that anticipation up in smoke. Hashtag spoiler alert. Um, awesome, no and so no more questions. That's it. All right, well, all I'll say is... To close it out, I hope that this podcast has brought the vibe up for everybody listening to it by at least, let's say, 30 to 35 percent. You should be in a good mood anyway. The Rangers are one of three teams remaining. They're still chasing the Stanley Cup, which means we are among the fortunate few hockey fans whose team is is still playing in this tournament. So um, if the vibes are high, the Rangers are playing at Madison Square Garden. Usually that means good things are going to happen. So um, my final thought is let's go Rangers get it done at home and, and let's try and let's try and do this thing and get to the get to the final Becky Dave any final no, thoughts we'll be we'll be I, hopefully having beers on the bridge tomorrow or tonight for hopefully not the last time this season so prayers up yeah just and just one life lesson make sure the yes. fucking is consensual no seriously yes that is very important always always, always. the we fucking support... has to be consensual folks whether it's Lindgren and Dan Girardi or whatever you're doing we support it all here we do as long as it's consensual we support mm-hmm. it and people are not hurt these are the two things oh I I, <laughs> I got a story for you guys after we log off it is definitely not podcast related it's not about any consensual fucking here, but it it was just really funny oh, on the honeymoon, oh and it nothing to do with me I, personally. All right, get your minds out of the fucking gutter. It's a hilarious story. You guys will appreciate it. All right. Well, while Dave tees up that story, we are gonna sign off here. So thanks for listening uh, again, and uh, hopefully when we talk to you next week, the Rangers are still in this thing. <laughs>